Hello, my name is Austin. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to GCB Bioenergy's Issue Roundup podcast. Global Change Biology Bioenergy is a bi-monthly journal that focuses on the production of biofuel from plants, algae, and waste. It also places special emphasis on how bioenergy systems help to mitigate global change. For more information, visit our website at gcbbioenergy.org. Our first study looks at improving bioenergy models. The International Panel on Climate Change has agreed that bioenergy is going to need to be part of the renewable energy portfolio going forward. The only question that remains is, how much of this new portfolio will it take up, and how much is it going to help? The answers to those two questions are harder to reach than you might think. Modeling, where you create artificial simulations, needs to be particularly comprehensive. It has to span findings from economics to ecology to come out with not only the most scientifically sound findings, but also the most realistic. It's one thing for a plant suited for bioenergy to yield well, but if it requires a lot of fertilizer and water, that yield may not be all it's cracked up to be. Farmers may not be able to turn a profit and won't grow it. Governments might find it's an unsuitable use for their water supply, and so on. But modeling for those kinds of scenarios is highly uncertain, and many models opt to leave them out. As Felix Krutzig and his co-authors emphasize in their study, this has led to fundamentally unrealistic models within the International Panel on Climate Change, particularly with what are called integrated assessment models, which often will take a yield and run with it. In essence, they're not stopping to analyze the underlying assumptions for the yields, at least not within the confines of the paper. The authors argue that assumptions need to be laid out and their likelihood needs to be analyzed. By doing this, they could also make their analysis more robust. They could calculate the risk for their findings if the assumption is in the end partially or wholly untrue. This next study focuses on Illinois and the Conservation Reserve Program. With 1 million acres enrolled, the researchers looked to see if the land could economically hold advanced bioenergy crops, like miscanthus. The academics involved in bioenergy know that for the next generation of energy crops, it's best to avoid land that is well-suited for regular commodity crops. With this in mind, many are eyeing 27 million acres of poor-yielding land that's tied up in 10- to 15-year conservation leases with the U.S. government. The program that funds these leases has had its funding cut repeatedly, and as more of these acres come out of a program that may not be able to pay farmers enough, bioenergy advocates see a chance to kickstart a rather large supply of advanced bioenergy plants. This includes the perennial tall grasses, switchgrass, and miscanthus, which have many of the same environmental benefits as the landscapes that currently take up the program. The emphasis of this study isn't on that, however. Authors Dr. Chen and Lin Lin Li created a mathematical model that asked whether farmers in Illinois would put miscanthus or switchgrass on their conservation program land instead of replacing it with corn, as many farmers have been encouraged to do with high commodity prices of the crop. You can look at the study online for more details on the methods they employed when conducting this mathematical model, but in the end, they found switchgrass is not an economically viable feedstock for farmers in Illinois. The higher-yielding miscanthus crop, however, is so long as the price is set near $100 per megaton. Under that scenario, it has the potential to provide 23 to 36% of the total amount of biomass needed from Illinois for the advanced biofuel portion of the renewable fuel standard. The rest comes largely from corn stover. 
Our next study doesn't deal with models. It focuses on soil carbon, an essential ingredient for high-yielding and healthy soil. It examines the effects of planting different types of bioenergy crops on the soil organic carbon building rates and compares them to corn. Soil organic carbon is made from thousands of years of decaying plant matter. It's widely considered vital for plant health. And in the American Midwest, since settlers started tilling, we've lost half of it. A major reason for this is because corn is an annual crop. It only stays on the landscape for half a year. When rain comes, it's a lot easier to cart off soil and attach organic matter when there isn't leaves there to deflect it. With that in mind, the researchers looked at two types of advanced bioenergy crops, tall perennial grasses like miscanthus and switchgrass, and woody plants like poplar. Lead author Carlo Cimento and the co-authors found after seven years of these year-round plants, something somewhat intuitive happened. The soil built more soil organic matter than corn would in its place. But they also found that the woody plants built up more soil organic carbon, 104 grams per square meter as opposed to 71. Before we end here, I just wanted to say this is my last podcast. Emily will be picking up the next one, and she'll be great. And with that, I'm Austin. I'm Emily, and I'll see you next time. 